When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I have Zach Rewear for his MLB Daily debut. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Zach, this is your first time on. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us how you're doing. What's going on? Um, you know, I'm doing great. You know, I'm a senior here at LaSalle. I do the Big Three radio show alongside you and Nico Manganello as well. So, uh, making my first appearance feel great to be here absolutely yeah we've got um a bit of a shorter show today we're not going to go into too much depth um of course because there certainly was plenty of interesting stories to go with but we picked the really top three most breaking top three most interesting to start that off zach last night was ronald acuna's debut he comes back in kind of a miraculous 292 days from an acl how many how many times are we going to see a guy put together that type of recovery um it's 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 kind of rare i would say like at this point you see like a lot of guys trying to return early from those kind of injuries with the acts of and how like modern medicine is now and everything and you got like all sorts of rehab programs they got ice baths they have you know that guys like running in pools and everything and they te- like they're testing and looking at that at like at that specific muscle injury daily and like they're at the point where like okay he's recovered now instead of waiting the, the next month or so we'll let him play now but we'll ease him back into it absolutely yeah no it's just 
again, it's great. It takes commitment. It's something you don't see from a lot of guys in other sports. Uh, cough, cough, Ben Simmons, cough, cough. But um, I'm not going to get back into that rant again today. But more importantly, it's about what he did last night. Comes back, first start in right field. He goes one for five, two strikeouts. Not the best day at the plate for him, certainly. But the team does walk away with the win. I have to think that just the fact that he's back for a struggling Braves team, that played a bigger role in it. Yeah, no, I think it, it definitely gives them some sort of hope. Definitely going forward, you know, I think going into last night, they were, I think, 8 and 11, I believe. They were 8 and 11 going into last night, yes. Yeah, so now sitting there with nine wins, you know, they're I think they're playing in Texas, I believe, tonight. I think it's just a little little confidence boost. You know, you're getting your star player back, but, you know, they've also lost some key pieces from last so getting those trying to like fill in those spots and get those players going and just getting your star player back is huge you know they get top of all these new guys in the dugout form that chemistry hopefully by august september they, they can compete for a playoff spot or at least the wild card spot yeah and you know it's honestly it's interesting with this team i think because you know you're talking about our currently with some guys underperforming, I mean, you look at uh, Adam Duvall, you look at Dansby Swanson, they're not having the best no. starts to the season. However, they're still a top half offense right now. The issue for this team has lied in the pitching. And that's kind of shows again, it's the, we got our guy back. We're ready to run the excitement level. You know, it's, it's amazing that they were able to pull off what they did without their best player last year, just yeah. because it's so it's so demoralizing. But now all of a sudden you got him back and it's something that guys like Charlie Morton, Kyle Wright, Ian Anderson can really gel, bond around and drive, use to drive forward. Yeah, and I mean, like, on top of that, too, they also lost one of their best pitches last year in Mike Soroka. So, and I don't know, at some point, I he's also nears his return from an Achilles injury as well. So, I mean, they went on that run last year without their top outfielder and one of their top pitchers, both from the same injury. Absolutely. He is currently not in the lineup tonight. Of course, you know, again, it's, okay. it's worth being, you take this slow, you do this the right way in April, even in May, as long as you're within a few games of 500, you're not in that bad a hole for getting in the playoffs. So you have enough time because he came back early to play around with the team, but they are still, even without him, currently up 3-1 on the Texas Rangers in other current game news. Um, the Mets, the Mets have a no hitter going currently. They are in the top of the sixth. They've got Drew Smith on the mound as they just pulled Tyler Miguel after five no hit innings. He has three walks and five strikeouts among this. What a start for Tyler Miguel, you know, coming in, being the opening day starter de facto because Jacob deGrom can't go. And he's kind of just, randomly backed it up yeah i would say that the mets the mets have been definitely a surprise so far they definitely i mean they definitely put together a talented roster in the offseason but in in years past with some of these mets teams that they put together these great rosters and just haven't been able to put the success together and i think this year this mets team is definitely going to win i think a chance at the nl east i don't really see any other team in the nl east the phillies same kind of issue great roster just haven't really put it together in a sense, but I think the Mets are going to be those NL East champions this year. They're going to be a tough team to knock out come playoff time. Yeah, they're going to be really tough. And, you know, I was, I didn't take the Mets coming into the year. I took the Braves, you know, you go to the defending champ. I also 
wasn't willing to trust, wasn't willing to bet on this team, then I see the start that they've had and the teams that they've beat. It always felt like it was the competitive games. It was the big games that the Mets didn't win. Yes. And that's what really ends up killing you because just about every team has one really bad stretch through the year. It's just usually that is the nail in the coffin for a Mets side. But, you know, you got that series against San Francisco, which really blew me away. You've played solid against everybody else. You beat the Cardinals in St. Louis. And now, I mean, really, we're talking about the toughest stretch in possibly their entire schedule here. They go win two out of three in in St. Louis. Then they go home and they've got this series against the Phillies. Then they've got the Braves, Phillies, and then they finally get a break for a few a few games with the nationals that is a very tough spot, but they're again, sending a message early against a really good team. And that's why I just, I feel like this is different. You know, you've got a terrific manager. You've got a lot of new guys in here, a fantastic um, rebuilt outfield. And it's, this is, this is a new look Mets team. Yeah. I mean, definitely for sure. I mean, they acquired water Escobar, a bunch of guys on top of that. And they, they look like a solid squad going forward the rest of the way. And it's just, you know, if the injuries can be held to a minimum and if they can keep these star players and get their chemistry lined up, this Mets team could win, you know, north of 95 to 100 games. Yeah, it's just, again, it's, it's amazing that they're doing all of this without Jacob deGrom. You know, we were all talking, all right, they just have to stay above water until Jacob deGrom comes back. And then he very well might end up winning the Cy Young in a half, um, half season stint. That's how good he's been. That's how good he could be. But they aren't even going to – they could, with the way they're playing right now, be a wild card team, be a division winner without Jacob deGrom ever touching the mound. And that's that's something this team did not expect. You got Taewon Walker also coming back uh, tomorrow for, his, for a start. But let's go ahead and move on over to our next point here. Trevor Bauer, of course, you know, his uh, perpetual – under review status, his perpetual commissioner's list ban has been going on for quite a while now. It has finally run out as the league has made a decision. They have come to a 324 game suspension for Trevor Bauer. What were your initial reactions here, Zach? Surprised, genuinely surprised, just because usually, like when they bring the hammer down on some of these athletes, especially when they do it like in baseball, like the PEDs for standpoint, it's only, I believe it's only 81 games, I think is what it is. It's yeah. like, it's like half the season. And I mean, and that's for people and players who test positive. It's proven that they've taken it. Now I know from Trevor Bauer's perspective, and I kind of looked at it today, I don't think he was ever completely fully indicted and charged. No. With, yeah. So wasn't charged whatsoever. And here he is receiving a two year suspension. And it's just like, do I think he, deserve a, a suspension of some sort yeah i think two years is bringing down the hammer kind of kind of harsh i believe last year he missed time last year during the the entire case and the appeals and everything and yeah so we've been following this uh case pretty closely here we didn't want to we tried to avoid for a very while, long time you know talking about things we didn't know about until we had more information very again we take that stuff very seriously in terms of you know not not indicting a man's character without knowing the full story, without having the actual um, prosecution, the criminal, the law. I mean, the law is here for a reason. And effectively, you know, you look at that 
court case and it was a lot of nothing it certainly wasn't enough to incriminate him there and you're you're right i mean i would have sided with some form of suspension in most cases because this is the same thing that the nfl loves to go on and on about you know protecting yeah. the integrity of the shield and yeah you know, it, just having one of these allegations is a really bad look for the league. So if you can force guys to really avoid any situation that could lead to one of these allegations, then it's overall better for your product. But I feel like this is almost a different scenario. It's a different situation just because Trevor Bauer was such a, uh, well, he was served so poorly last year is really what I'm trying to get at here. You know, he misses 99 games last season. And none of them count towards this 324 game suspension. He's going to miss into the 2024 season because you just randomly decided, all right, we're not going to give him time served on all of this, all of these games he's missed. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's kind of like a joke just because like, well, I mean, like using the NFL, like as an example, you know, some of these guys get charged with, you know, these domestic violence charges and they actually get charged. They plead guilty and, they are charged with these, you know, all, the, all these allegations, et cetera, and they get, like, in between four to eight games. If they're, like, a repeat offender, they'll get more. But it, it's just, like, mind-blowing that, like, if they had to do that in the NFL and they gave a two-year suspension for every time something like that happened, so many players in that league would be suspended that you would just forget about them. Yeah, you know, it, you're 100% right. And even look around the league, it makes no sense here because here's a guy who you have no hard evidence that the situation wasn't consensual. And it's um, it's it's really a shame because you look at other situations, you look at Raldis Chapman, you look at Adubal Herrera, you look at Marcelo Zuna just last year. He misses less than a full season over his case that he pleads guilty towards. Or doesn't plead guilty, but he... Um, agrees to a pre-trial diversion program. So he gets the case dismissed, but that's a, an admission of guilt on the whole situation. So, you know, you, you see these situations and how they're not handled nearly the same way that this Trevor Bauer thing is. And ultimately it comes down to the fact that he refuses to incriminate himself for something he didn't do. Half the time, you know, these, t- these uh, situations are agreed upon. You know, the big ones, they like, admit they get a lesser charge they negotiate the time sir the times of suspension but he has no grounds to do that because he didn't do it and so that really it puts him at a disadvantage there it also puts him at a disadvantage that before this happened he was at the odds with the league for a very long time and it just so much of what's gone on with trevor bauer and his dealings feels to me like manfred sitting there and being like this is my chance to finally get this guy. This is my chance to get back at this guy. I need to take advantage of this opportunity while I have it. And that's just, that's so, such a wrong way to look at it all. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think that just the way that Manfred handled this, the whole situation was just very poor. I, I think kind of like we talked about running backs, I think a suspension of some short, some sort should have been put in place give time for a lot of this or the rest of this case, however long it might take to kind of play out, depending on well, what. Well, it's all done. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so, so that's even better from what I'm going to say. Like now it's all done. So give him a like 60 to 80 game suspension and just call it that. You because, see, 
That's but that's what bugs me with this though is because it's not a sixty to eighty game suspension. Even if we run on the sixty side, it's yeah. not. It's a hundred and fifty nine game expen- suspension because he's already served ninety nine, and they just refused to acknowledge that as they dragged this out yeah. until the court proceedings were done. And it's just, it's just tough to kind of look at it, you know, from like the way, like like said, he already missed ninety nine games. Like I think at the same time too, it does really hurt him because he is in the middle of his prime. Yeah. And now he's going to miss two full seasons of that. And I do not know at the moment, I'm going to check real quick, how old Trevor Bauer is. Um, but, I can't remember off the top of my head, he was at UCLA with Garrett Cole. So it's roughly, you know, it's physical prime. Um, he's, he's 31 right now. So he won't get the, back on the mound till 34. Till 34, basically. Yeah. That's, again, it's, it, it's a shame because, you know, you, we would still, if we, if they gave him a 159 game suspension, we'd still think it was absurd. And I don't mean to, you know, this is kind of hearsay, just hypothetical, but I have a feeling a lot of the reason that ended up being 99 games was because of the CBA. They wanted to go get him, but they had to make sure the labor was in place. So they didn't have to deal with a peeved off union. Speaking of which, where is the, the union on this? Because it just, I know that he's a polarizing figure. I know he's alienated a lot of people in his time, but you still should be backing up your guy. It just seems a little, yeah. that whole situation seems off to me. And there's just, there's only so much that can really be done at this point. Obviously we review and look at these kind of things, but it's just, sometimes you just got to look at the people going on behind the scenes, kind of scratch your head sometimes about what they're really thinking about. Yeah. Ultimately, in my eyes, this will not be a 364 game suspension. He's already, he's already started the appeals process, and yeah. I don't see where they have, have anything on him where they have the grounds to go this far. So mm-hmm. overall, yeah, I mean, I just – he's definitely going to end up with something. It probably won't be that. Hopefully there's a time-served component to that. But let's talk about the hypothetical where he goes uh, – 364 games I wouldn't be shocked if this is the most deadly Trevor Bauer we'll ever see because you talk about a guy who meticulously works on and and learns about the game you're now giving him basically four full years to figure out new stuff and just screw around he could easily be the best 34 year old pitcher we've ever seen like you know you're already talking about him being like he was already like a sub play um Clayton Kershaw Max Scherzer level who are older pitchers that are performing quite well. I could see him way, way surpassing that when he comes back, but let's go ahead and move on. We got one more thing I want to talk about here today. And that is Tucker Davidson, a um, of course, starter for the Atlanta Braves. He's been up and down throughout his career ends up. He's got a uh, 5.55 ERA over the last two seasons. You know, you don't see a ton of him, but more so it's a matter of what he's doing and talking about in triple a as they're now fully enacting the pitch clock and stuff there the new updated rules they're trying with that and he sounded off on this earlier today in some very valid points so i'm going to go ahead and read them here we got a little um lj's story time here for you some takeaways from the newly installed pitch clock i've made three starts with it and each time it's been a different experience overall not a fan let's talk about the good and the bad one Pace of play is very quick. The numbers don't lie. Games are shorter. We played two games under two hours last week 
We won due to, due to a pitcher not throwing a pitch in time, and we strike out to end the inning due to not being set in the box with runners on. It's been an adjustment. Yeah, I mean, and then to uh, add in the um, second part of this, routines and walk-up songs are gone. Holding runners is nearly impossible. The clock is inconsistent, and truthfully, it makes the game that much harder. The mental aspect of this game is huge, and being able to reset in between pitches is gone. You know, this is, again, the first early portion here. He's talking a lot about how much of an adjustment this is for guys on the AAA level and things they're complaining about when most of these guys have already had some form of pitch clock for the last couple seasons, you know, in um, A and AA, as they've been slowly mixing it in, changing it up, building to a point where these guys kind of are comfortable with it. If these guys are having trouble with adjusting to it, can we imagine if we just throw this into the uh, major leagues? Yeah, it would be crazy. I mean, I saw one of his tweets when I was looking through it and it said, like, could you imagine, you know, the game being taken out of, for example, Mike Trout's hands because he doesn't get in the batter's box with nine seconds left and the game ends because they have an automatic strike called and it's something like that. And that honestly, like, it kind of, like, it does ruin the game. And honestly, too, it's like, I understand, but like, I feel like from like a minor league baseball perspective, like, it just doesn't really make much sense, like, in general. Like, you wouldn't want to implement that kind of rule in the majors. And it's just, like, you got guys down there who are down there to develop their skills, get at bats, get worked, get everything. And, like, from a pitcher's perspective, like, you know, you're in a 2-2 count. You're trying to figure out, you know, like, what is, you know, like, guys like that may not have their strikeout pitch yet. You know, like, what is my best pitch to use? And 2-2 count, guy that doesn't get in the box in time, automatic strike call you know you and now you lose that opportunity same with like a batter two two count you know he has to work on how he's going to defend the plate and how he's going to take his approach and he doesn't get in the box in time he strikes out and it's like you're taking away opportunities from these guys who are trying to improve and get better it doesn't really make too much sense to me yeah again i think a part of it is improving the game and that is training these guys Mm -hmm. so at some point you know you kind of have to get used to it. And a lot of these guys will adjust. They'll get used to it. Their game will get more refined. Like, especially with the stepping into the box thing, you can find routines that will work into that pace of play. You just got to give yourself a chance. This is just a matter of growing pains. And the more they allow the growing pains in the minors, the less growing pains we'll have in the majors where you have the actual televised product, the one people care about, the one people are putting a lot of money on is going to be a little better but you're right again these are very these are very big issues and overall my biggest issue is why is the clock so short you know he asks here go from 19 to 24 seconds we i believe that's with runners on but um yeah it's 14 with runners off and then you're talking about 19 you know if you add an extra five seconds or so that could make such a big difference for these guys just to be able to be comfortable and to be relaxed mm-hmm. i don't have a problem with that you know, you're talking about sub two hour baseball games. How many people that truly care about baseball are actually going to want or or not necessarily that they're not going to want it because I would certainly enjoy it. That's part of why I like softball so much is the fact, hey, you know, I can get through a couple games in a night very, very comfortably. watching. Yeah. But at the same time, I wouldn't complain like I would I would I would celebrate if we were to two hours and 15 minutes consistently like that would be that would be a huge win that would be so much more comfortable in terms of the pace of play so as much as we need to dial it back we don't need to go to a huge extreme 
We can be no. fine at like two hours, 15 minutes, two and a half hours. And I mean, I think that's perfect. I mean, honestly, like a lot of the games that like I tend to watch don't take an extreme amount of time. They're usually right in between that two hour, 30 minutes, that 245 mark, unless the game goes into extra innings. And like, even then it's like, I can kind of sit through it. It's really not that bad for me. And like, when you're at the game too, I feel like it's different. Like you can sit through a game like that. And I mean, they already made it into extra innings where it's like, they already start with with like a runner on second because they want the games to go by quicker, you know, which honestly it's nice. But at the same time too, kind of sucks because then you don't get to see those 19 games anymore where, you know, you're, wanted a team on the East coast at seven o'clock and next thing you know, it's one in the morning and they're still playing and it's like, Whoa. And then you tune into that game and it gets into like high stakes kind of thing. And you know, like who's in a, who's in a break first, who's in a score, who's going to win the game. And now like, you don't have moments like that. And it happens. Like I get it, you know, like a lot of the MLB's fan base is a lot of the older generation. They're trying to get it to our younger generation now. So making the game shorter pretty much for the attention span of a younger person is kind of what they're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you're right too, because the good games like that are fantastic. Yeah. What it's really a matter of cutting out is those 19 inning games. It's an unfortunate byproduct of cutting out the um, 13, 14 inning games that have two hits in them combined. Like there are some days where the offenses are just so completely inept that the baseball isn't worth watching and they go into extras. And that's, I think, overall the biggest thing you get out of that. But again, you're right. You're, you're missing, you're losing a lot because in my opinion, extra innings baseball is the second most exciting overtime right after college football, just because of that aspect of the way they keep going and escalating over time. You know, you start to get the notification, Hey, this game is in the 15th inning. I better check it out. It's just the same thing like a triple or quadruple overtime in a NCAA game. Yeah. And then I had one more um, takeaway from this uh, Tucker Davidson thread. Some closing thoughts. They say they do this for the fans, but at the same time, your favorite team is blacked out on the MLB app in your area. Your market slogan a couple years ago was let the kids play. So let the kids play. Have a great weekend, everybody. You know, that's just that's just so true. And no one calls them out on it. They have, they've used this pace of play thing to completely deflect from a lot of their other bigger issues. And th- those yeah. issues are very much inside their control, which makes it so wild. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's one of those things too. Like I can tell you like being a Rays fan, if I want to go home, I mean, they obviously like, I'm lucky enough for like cable at home, like we have Nesson. So when mm-hmm. the Rays are playing the Red Sox, you know, I can turn on that game, I can turn on Nesson and still watch it. but. For me, like as a race fan, I'm like, well, what if I want to listen to the race broadcast and I want to listen to so-and-so and so-and-so call the game? Well, that's 18 games out of the year that I don't get to listen to because it's blacked out. It doesn't really make much sense. But that goes for like a lot of games as well. A lot of these Northeast teams, like, for example, like if the Red Sox in our area are playing on the MLB network, it'll be blacked out. It won't be on there. But like, it's one of those things too. Where it's like, well, well, what if I want to watch it on a bigger stage like what if i want to watch you know matt vaskersion or whoever called this game now i can't because i can't get the games it's it is what it is there but yeah and again i kind of understand like espn can be a little difficult to deal with but at the end of the day like it all you're lacking is creativity with this stuff i think i'm not an economist but it just it seems like there's got to be a way that you can share the revenue 
from an MLB TV with yeah. the local market games because you do already. You just have mm-hmm. to do it more. And because the other thing you're not where we don't talk about enough is the fact that so many people in this society are cord cutting. Yeah. So many people want to go to streaming only. And I know a lot of people that get MLB TV because they just like to watch the games. And so there is definitely a market in the United States that they maybe get Netflix and they get MLB TV and that's their, their TV watching experience. Mm-hmm. If you're in market for your team, you don't get to see any of their games. No, not and at that all. Just, it, kill, it kills their, it kills yeah. their revenue. They'd get more and revenue. It's one of the things like, I kind of thought about this year with the NHL switching to ESPN Plus is I thought to myself too, like the MLB is probably going to be one of those apps that's probably going to switch and, and convert over to ESPN Plus soon because I think they already started putting games on there this year. And I would say with the way that Apple TV and Hulu have kind of done their games with baseball, it was very poor. I just, the broadcasters are pretty much brand new. They haven't really worked together. And it's just like, if you listen to like their broadcasts, it's not, it's not exactly great. But if you listen to a broadcast on, on ESPN plus, you can choose between whichever team's broadcast, kind of like how you would on MLB TV. But for me, like, for example, like when the race played the Red Sox did this past weekend, one of the games was on ESPN plus you go to ESPN plus you can watch either broadcast that you can't do on MLB.tv. And it's kind of like a huge difference where it's like, you know, like someone in that area, like if they want to stream ESPN Netflix instead of doing ESPN or instead of doing Netflix and uh, MLB.tv, if they want to do Netflix and ESPN plus, they can still watch their team play. But as you said, if they had MLB.tv and they're in that area, now they, now they can't watch those games. And that's another huge benefit to going with ESPN too, is the fact that they've got all the bundles, right? Yeah. So you can reasonably get MLB TV theoretically, or you can get your baseball, you can get your hockey, you can get your Marvel shows and movies and stuff all for like 12 bucks a month. Yeah. That value, that value is insane. And they really need to uh, really bump that up, ramp that up. But you know, that's not even, that's not even their only problem. You know, you got to talk about, you talk about pace of play, but you also don't talk about the fact that, there's a lot of other factors that they could easily do to market the stars better, to get the stars to be more visible, more watchable. I mean, something I go big on is the fact that really there's no reason that there's not more three o'clock games. ESPN, yeah. ESPN's programming isn't that great. It no. used to be solid, but it's not that great during the afternoon anymore. They shouldn't be like, if they had the opportunity to air an MLB game at three o'clock, I think that would help them reach the younger audience so much more kind of do like the uh, Nickelodeon game that the NFL does in the playoffs for yeah. it, and really gear it towards those kids that are coming home from school. Yeah. I think is the way you, you reach these people is you humanize the players and you get them on TV. Yeah. Did the, uh, did the uh, lights shut off on you? Yeah. It happens usually once a recording. Um, I'm pretty used to it at this point. Yeah. We're in, we are currently in the dark in the Chronicle office currently. But um, before we wrap up, the Mets added a run, but they are still no-hitting the Phillies on the start of this terrific um, stretch here. Uh, before we go, uh, Zach, of course, I hope you've had a uh, good time doing this. Yeah. We'd love to have you back. Got any raised thoughts for us before you go? Um, they, had a, they, they got a nice win tonight. They beat the Twins 6-1. Um, Corey Kluber looked good tonight. They improved to 12 and eight. 
I think, you know, a perspective of, you know, games going, like I said, you know, two hours and 10 minutes and two hours and 40 minutes. They started tonight's game at 210. Final pitch tonight was at 930. Wait, did we? Did I say 210 or 710? You said 210. Okay, my bad. <laughs> they started at 710, ended at 930. So the game took about two and a half hours, right around that perfect time, as you said, where, you know, like you can live with a game that takes two hours and 15 minutes, like that kind of thing. Yeah. But from, a, but from their perspective, I think they're looking a lot better. Um, their starting pitching is definitely starting to pick it up, and the bullpens look good. I mean, they took two out of three from the Red Sox this past weekend. They took two out of three from the Mariners, and the Twins, who came in with the same record as them, at, at 11 and 8, they take game one. So they're looking to win that series this weekend, and I think they played a tough stretch of teams, and I think if they can go six and three in that stretch, I think it'll help them out. Absolutely. You know, the more stretches you can win early, the more gap and cushion you get for yourself later on. Uh, Zach, is there any particular socials or anything you want to plug? Uh, we'll plug the Big Three radio show in there. Sure. Yeah, we both do it. I mean, I, I'm not a big social media guy, so I might not be able to get back to you, but you can always hit my Instagram up. It's Zach underscore Loware1748. So we'll plug that in there for you. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we had a uh, certainly a good time with the Big Three Radio Show. Make sure you hit up the MLB Daily Socials if you haven't as well. If you haven't, what's taking you so long? Uh, it is at MLB Daily Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, in the meantime, we'll see you manana. Yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.